Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're going to talk about banks. Don't you just love banks? Are they a firm? Are they a corporation? Government agent? Who knows? Find out more. Stay tuned. I've recovered. I no longer have COVID. Um, I did my recording last week. Um, uh, about 12 hours before I started be- becoming symptomatic. And then for about four days, I had the symptoms. Not nearly as bad as my first go around about 15 months ago. Um, so that's a good thing. Uh, I'm back at it. It's hot as fuck today. So I'm, you know, not really fully dressed, but whatever. We can still do this podcast. I wanted to talk about banking today. And how banks fit, you know, in our world of economics and specifically in the structure of firms and corporations, are they the same thing or are they different? Do they stand apart? And it's a very complex question. Um, And different sides of the coin out there that study in the field of economics have different explanations. So in the the neoclassical world, banks don't even matter. So we'll start by kind of debunking the whole loanable funds myth um, and kind of address that uh, the banking sector operates as what we call endogenous money. So the common belief out there is you have a deposit account at your bank. And when the bank makes a loan, it takes your deposits and loans it to somebody else. This is a fallacy, and in the 2014 uh, Bank of England paper, kind of laid it out and proved it. You can look up that paper um, on Google, just 24, uh, 2014 Bank of England money creation paper, um, and it'll bring it up for you. Um, how it actually happens is a lot different. So the loanable funds model says everything's happening on the, the liability side. So picture you've got um, asset, you got a bank balance sheet. So you have your assets um, on the left side of this, let's call it a ledger. You've got your liabilities on the right side. And then on the far right side, you have your balancing, your equity. So the neoclassical or loanable funds version of banks making loans is a liability swap. So it's happening on the right side of the ledger. So your your deposit account goes down and the person that's getting a loan, uh, their deposit account goes up. That's not actually how it works in banking. So when you go for a mortgage, what the bank does is it creates a financial product. On the left-hand side of their ledger, under assets, they create a, a new asset called a loan. And they balance that loan by increasing your deposits for this mortgage on the liability side. And at the end of the row, it balances to zero. That's how banks um, operate. They simply create the credit. Um, They're not creating paper dollars. You don't go in um, to a bank and get a loan and get a bunch of paper $100 bills. That doesn't work. In the the older days, you would have had it been issued a certified check and you would have used that check to go buy the home from somebody else or pay the home builders to build the home. Um, 
Nowadays, it's all uh, electronic. So what the bank simply does is they create the value the asset on the asset side for this loan, your mortgage, let's say, and then they deposit those funds in your account by simply marking it up and balancing the equation, which is double entry bookkeeping accounting. Um, and then, of course, that you don't keep that money. It goes to the person you're buying the house from. Getting that out of the way is very important because it it gives a unique perspective that the banks are pretty fucking powerful. They have the ability to create credit on demand, which no other firm or corporation can do. That said, on the flip side of that, banks are exactly like corporations or firms or businesses in the fact that they are driven by a profit motive. They operate, they sell financial products because they are motivated by making a profit, just like any business. Now, I ran a a trucking company for about eight years. And this is going to be important to the conversation a little bit uh, later on. I ran that company to make money. That was my sole purpose. Um, I like doing that, that activity. But at the end of the day, the bottom line was making a profit so I could cover covering my bills and then having a little left over so I could pay my own bills, a profit. I was a sole proprietor. Um, that was my motivation. That's the same for banks. Now, banks have the unique opportunity to increase or decrease aggregate demand in the economy. Because you have to remember, if you're you're pumping up deposit accounts, those deposit accounts, the money inside of it, or the credit, whatever you want to call it, deposit money. Money is a very um, loose term. Okay, so you you, uh, you have the hierarchy of money. Let's say so you've got reserve balances or settlement balances. So these are balances that are digitally created by central banks. Okay, and then paper money, fiat money. And then you have um, credit money in the banking system, which are completely unrelated. Just so it's a two tiered system. Okay, so you don't have a deposit at your central bank. Your bank has a deposit account at the central bank. The federal government has a deposit account at the central bank. States and provinces will have accounts at the central bank. Intergovernment um, departments will have deposits at the central bank, maybe depending on the country you're in. But you don't have one. You have an uh, account at your commercial bank. Um, So banks, commercial banks do hold a lot of power, but structurally, they are exactly the same as um, a corporation or a firm. Um, There's one argument out of MMT that really banks are an agent um, of the government in their when they do their analysis to explain money creation and the whole creation theory thing. I'm partially on board with that. Sure, it is. It's part of. It's part. They sell a product using something that the government deems legal tender that can be converted into legal tender. But what they're creating when they create deposit money, it's not fiat money. They're essentially creating credit within their own bank, and other banks don't even accept that credit. They have to settle. Um, usually, 
have to settle with the central bank. Now, there are ways around that. And a lot of big banks will have accounts with each other. So they'll net if they have a bunch of payments their customers are making from their bank accounts that are going to another bank. They'll net all those payments. And then at the end of the day, they'll have an account at or that they'll hold with the other bank or they the other bank is holding an account with them and they'll just do a net change on there. And you don't need settlement balances or reserves if you want to call them in the United States. And by the way, people, so let's stop fucking calling them reserves, okay? That gives the illusion that there's fractional reserve banking going on. That's not the case. Reserve requirements are next to zero on almost all accounts in Western nations now, if not zero, okay? So you don't need a predetermined amount of reserves um, if you're a bank to then make loans, create deposits. That's not a thing anymore. So the, the whole thing calling them reserves is, it's kind of fucking stupid. What they should be called, and like they're called up here in Canada, they're called settlement balances. So we should start calling them that, settlement balances. That's the purpose. They are they settle uh, between banks. Okay? And it used to be overnight, but now it's actually in the digital age. They do it all through the day. Now, in most cases, that's how banks are settling with each other. Big banks um, and intermediate banks and um um, what do they call them? Corresponding banks will actually hold accounts with each other and they'll settle that way by netting a bunch of different deposits. Um, that's another story. So MMT says um, banks are an agent of the government. I don't really agree with that myself because if that's the case, I was an agent of the government and we're all agents of the government. We're, if, if you're a business, whether you're a sole proprietor, or firm or a corporation, you're collecting taxes on behalf of the government, so that makes you an agent of the government. But MMT is not specifying that in relation to um, commercial banks. They are saying they are really tightly, um, you know, the noose is really tight around um, commercial banks, and they're essentially, they are behaving at the behest of the uh, government. Now, we all know, because I explained earlier, this isn't the case. They behave like any other uh, private sector business. They are in it for a profit motive, right? So when they make loans, when they create these deposits, they expect interest back. That is what they do. Now, I will add that banks will use your deposits with permission. So you'll buy a financial product, they'll take your deposits and invest it. You'll get a cut of the interest that they make. The banks are in it for selling um, financial products. A wee bit unfair, you could say, because the the amount of capital they got to put in to make their project products are really fucking small. It's not. It's not. It's not like. They've got to go mine a bunch of resources or go to a mining company to buy resources to input into their capital stock so they can make output. They do have costs. They have accountants, right, and loan officers. So there are costs to doing this business when you scale it up. But they are at a huge advantage. Is the product they create, well, they create a lot of it out of thin air. It's just accounting entries. But are they an agent of the government? Well, if, if you're an agent of the government because you collect taxes on behalf of other people to, to remit to the government, then you're an agent. 
But in the sense, are you an agent to the government as a business? No, of course not. But running a trucking company, it was really multifaceted. So I had to deal with all levels of government. First, in my own uh, city that I operated, I needed a business license. Um, nationally, we had what's called a national safety code, which is recognized down in the state. So all your trucks had to be registered under this national safety code. Um, and obviously, to apply for this code, you had to have a good uh, driving record or you opened up a corporation and it just automatically had a good driving and you got this number. Bureaucratic stuff. And then, of course, uh, I had to um, register a, a federal tax number um, to, to pay taxes, right? So in that sense, I was chartered as well. Um, just like a bank. And to say, when MMT uses that analysis that, well, banks, when we, because often a big critique of MMT, which is not a valid one, is that, well, hey, look at the banks are creating um, all this money, not the federal government. And then, of course, you could argue back, well, the banks have to settle um, uh, with fiat money at the central bank, the uh, settlement balances they have at the central bank. And of course, you could counter that because in the, the modern world, banks actually hold accounts with each other and can just net and settle with each other um, at the end of the day if they want to keep their settlement balances. Because in all Western countries now, because settlement balances have gone through the roof, uh, we are the central bank is paying interest on those central uh, settlement balances. So the, the, the question here, are banks like other businesses? Yes and no. They have the unique fucking ability to create something essentially out of thin air with very little capital investment and make money off of it. Um, on the flip side, they, they are just like any other business. They are profit motive driven. That, and they are apart from the government. Now, there's been crises. Like we look back at 2008 and you watch all those movies where, you know, Ben Bernanke and... Um, I forget the U.S. Treasury Secretary at, at that time. And then the New York Fed, uh, Tim Geithner. You'll watch that movie. I can't even remember the name of the movie. But they call all the big bankers in. Okay. And they say, you guys got to figure this fucking shit out. You know, politically show drama, even in the real case in the real world, right? It's a big show drama, right? But so... Like, like the government had a leash around my neck with my trucking company, the government has a leash around the bank's um, neck, you know, in other forms of regulation. But at the end of the day, banks operate on the behest of making a profit, not out of the social good of society. And hence why we need government spending and a central bank um, and a central bank that is regulating commercial banks. I often wonder, really, so where do I stand on commercial banks? Right now, it wouldn't be ideal to say, let's abolish central banks and everybody can just have an account at the the central bank. There's no political will to push that through on either side. Um, Definitely not on the right. Um, but on the left, it's, it's hugely divided. Left doesn't understand what banking is, right? They still think deposit, your deposits get loaned out to other depositors. Okay. 
That's that's what politicians think. It's sad, right? The heterodox is trying to push that message out there that really what a bank does is they create an asset on one side of the ledger and a liability on the other, and that balances out to zero. And that's how money's created. Well, there's no net gain. Um, but ideally, although I don't think it's possible, I think money should be treated like up here. We have healthcare and a lot of social services versus down in the United States. Um, but one of those services that should, I've always thought that should be really controlled by the government or an institution. And here's one thing I will say, I, I, I can say that the central bank is an agent of the um, uh, uh, federal government each country, it's a little bit different. Up here in Canada, it's fully owned. It's a fully owned crown corporation of Canada, uh, the Bank of Canada. Down in the States, it's a little bit, uh, the, the lines are blurring, uh, a little bit blurry around that area. But essentially, it is, acts as an agent between uh, the, the government and banks, really. It's the connecting piece there. Um. But I, I, I would advocate that, yes, we should do away with commercial banks. Money is way too fucking important um, for it all to be driven uh, from a profit motive perspective. It's, it's a no good. It should be as important as healthcare. Now, I understand the states don't think, doesn't think healthcare is important. At least the people in power don't. Uh, but I've always thought that really, let's just do away with the commercial banks and we can all have an account at the the central bank. Of course, the question comes up that how do you get loans from the central bank? Now, I would say, well, the central bank, it would be a crown-owned corporation or down in the States, a federally-owned corporation, whatever vernacular you need to use to understand what I'm saying. Um, they would hire loans officers, right? They would have all the employees that are, they would have commercial bank branches, um, and it would operate just uh, like a bank. I think it would, um, there would be, there should, there should be in that situation better transparency on loans. So if we go to Hyman Minsky um, and we look at, you know, financial instability, right? That euphoria at the close to the top of the bubble where everybody's taking out loans because the ride seems like it's never going to end um, and creates a, this huge amount of private debt in aggregate in the in the economy interest rates rise a bit and instability breaks out people start fo- um, defaulting on their mortgages and we have 2008 um i think there would be greater transparency if it was just a government owned institution banks right they would they would be a lot you know they would be responsible for their actions. Whereas right now, all we can tell a bank, well, they want to make money. What do you expect? What do you expect when you give them that great power? Um, A profit-driven corporation. You give them the power to create credit that is redeemable for the actual paper currency or um, digital deposits at the central bank. What do you expect? They're going to do that. It's going to, we'll see that repeating cycle over and over and over again. You can try to place boundaries around it, but the bank is going to circumvent those boundaries in the interest of profit and profit alone and shareholder interests. Okay. That's how corporations operate. They always will in a capitalist system. 
So up here in Canada, unlike down in the United States, if I go and relate it to healthcare, we do not allow the private sector to be the middleman in healthcare. So we're we're federally and provincially funded our healthcare up here. We don't have middlemen like private hospitals or anything like that. Okay, because we understand as soon as you uh, put in the profit motive, the well-being of society as a whole is not the main um, objective. It becomes profit. And that applies to any corporation, including banks. Now, if you take the profit motive away, and let's say we're operating central banks as commercial branches, so you can have your deposits there, in theory, if it's done correctly, there is a social motive. You know, So if you believe that there needs to be more housing in a certain region, and it is a social benefit, now we'll leave climate change um, off the table for a second and we'll just, okay, so an area needs uh, more housing. Well, then the the central bank commercial bank branch, the loan officers, yes, you know, if you have the income to pay us back, then you can get a loan. It would be exactly the same except socially responsible. That's in theory. And this is what I would like to see. Now, there's, there's other people out there that w- would be frightened of that because you're essentially consolidating it. There's no choice in the business you go to. But essentially, it's, that's so in Canada, we have six banks. We realize we don't need 15,000 different b- bank companies down in the States just to have a banking crisis every four years. We, we've decided... We've decided, you know, six, you know, big banks, that's good enough. They have to remain stable, right? One bank cannot um, become unstable. So we really watch that up here. And that's why we have a world-renowned banking system. So it just kind of shows in practice consolidation is actually probably a safer and more stable banking system. Um, So what I'm trying to say, you go down to the States and you go to one bank, it's exactly the same as the next bank. They might give you a better uh, interest rate. So so you're going to go and you get your 6% interest rate for your mortgage. Well, such and such bank will give it to you for 5.99 instead. (laughs) Okay. So they're all the fucking same thing, except they're branded. You get sucked into their branding. It's like going to McDonald's or Burger King. It's both trash. It's both fucking trash, I guarantee you. Okay, so that would be the argument against it is you wouldn't have competition. But banks don't really, they're not, essentially they're not competing. Right? All they got to do is create some credit and they got you as a customer. Right? They don't want your deposits. Another thing too with banks, you know, just on bank runs and stuff, your money, your deposits are on that ledger no matter what. Now, if the bank closes its doors because they go into net equity or so they go into negative equity, your deposits are still on a piece of paper or on a data disk. There's no run on your deposits. It's a big, big fallacy on bank runs, okay? So a bank, um, well, it might have a silent run, so their reserves go down and go down and go down because people are pulling out their deposits, their own deposits, right? And at some point, um, the bank may have 
uh, less assets than they do on liabilities. So you have to remember a bank um, is earning money on its assets and paying out money primarily on deposit on its liabilities. So deposits, right? So they're always, you want your assets bigger than your liabilities. If you're paying out on your liabilities and earning on your assets and your assets are bigger, well, you're a profitable bank. The reverse happens while well, you're you're paying out money on liabilities, earning money on assets, but your liabilities are bigger. Well, you're losing money and you're going to shut your doors. Right. That's the risk of a bank run is the, the reserve. So down in the States, um, the FIDC, Federal Insurance Deposit Corporation, they have an account at the central bank. So they're holding settlement balances. So what they do to protect a bank during uh, what they call silent runs now is they inject um, settlement balances into the account that the bank has at the, the Federal Reserve. We're talking about the United States. They're not giving you uh, commercial deposits. Banks can create as much as that. That's not what they're insuring. They're insuring that the bank um, has adequate reserves. So that's an asset. So their assets are higher than their liabilities. And they could take those settlement balances and buy uh, higher earning uh, instruments like treasuries, right? So the uh, deposit insurance corporation, whatever country, it's not insuring your deposits. It's insuring the settlement balances of the bank. So the bank stays open so you can go do business with the bank. That's a little side story. I, I often fucking digress doing these things. Um, I think in closing, first I'll say thank you for watching. Make sure you hit my Patreon up, patreon.com slash Tykeens. Check me out on Twitter at Tykeens. Check me out on YouTube at Tykeens. You can find all of my shit consolidated at Tykeens.com. So, you know, my big thing is uh, building models using system dynamics. I have a whole repository there. So... If you're watching my YouTube channel, which is primarily uh, tutorial videos on how to build um, economic models using system dynamics or any type of model, whether it's pandemic models, factory chain models, um, and I use Minsky, you can watch those videos and then you can go download the models, pick apart the models, right? Learn by breaking my models, right? You just don't, don't save it or just go back and download the model again. Um, so anyways, yeah, check out my website, do all that. Always say you can find me on LinkedIn too. You know, if you want that professional relationship, that real tight knit professional, you know, you can connect and follow. We can both connect. We can be in touch with each other. So yeah, in closing, Banks are unique in our economy. They are, un they are apart from other corporations, but they are the same. And they pay taxes and they're driven by a, a profit motive, right? And they create uh, deposits that are redeemable for fiat money on the behest of making profit. No other fucking reason other than that. And banks are able to settle between each other. They don't need settlement accounts. Happens a lot more than you think. It's important to understand all these things um, because if you get stuck in one framework, you're going to start missing all of the pieces, right? So post-Keynesians are not right about everything. You know, 
MMT came along and really put them in their place with giving a proper framework um, for analyzing the national economy. That said, MMT does is simply a, a framework, right? It's stock flow analysis. It's assets, liabilities, and equity. Anything, any propositions from MMT after that is simple theory because it's never been put in practice. Okay? And there are things that MMT says that I'm like, well, post-Keynesians have been saying it and saying it better for a century. Um, And then you have, you know, your Austrians. And everybody knows how I feel about the Austrian economic um, thing just through my past podcasts and my tweets. I don't think I need to go there. And then you have mainstream economics, like the whole neoclassical school, which claims it's evolving. Um, It's just evolving into doing other stupid things that are apart from the other stupid things they used to do. That's the truth. Anyways, well, I will, uh, I'll see you uh, next week. Hopefully it's not as hot. Make sure you subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Hit that like button. Comments. I love the comments. You guys notice I reply to every comment. Even if you're fucking hating on me, I will reply to you. Now, if you're fucking hating on me, I might not have a nice reply, but I will reply to you. Now, if you got a nice reply, I'm going to give you a nice reply back. If you're listening to the um audio podcast version of this spotify all that you know you can just click the follow button you know make sure you get a notification on whatever podcast system you're using to know that i've released another podcast anyways we'll see you next week